Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The root problem that we see with man is that he has failed to give glory to God. As a matter of fact, he has completely and utterly forsaken the glory of God. And the fruit of that we see in Romans chapter 1, and specifically in these verses, in verses 29 through 32, which is where we will be this morning. But the fruit is the corrupt and sin-filthy ways of man. Evolution is about the dumbest thing ever theorized. (laughs) Reason being is man isn't getting better. You take a look at mankind, he's always, always evolving the other way, not the forward way. God said, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. In other words, they knew God and they decided to depart from him. And the only thing that will bring this race, this human race back, would be the power of salvation. That's why Paul says, under the Holy Spirit's inspiration, for I am not ashamed the gospel of Christ, for it, not him, it, that meaning the gospel, is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that worketh for it, no, to everyone that earneth it, no, to everyone that comes from a good social lineage or family lineage, no, everyone that what? Believe it. That's what we want people to call on. The name of the Lord Jesus Christ, in belief and by faith, and God will save and rescue their soul. The title of the message this morning is, there is no escape. There is no escape. Romans 1.28 says this. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. Look at where this reprobate mind takes them. To do those things, verse 28, which are not convenient. They're not proper. They're disgraceful. They're shameful. And we all, if we look at our lives, we all play a part in making this world the cesspool of sin that it is. And just thank God for his grace for saving your soul if you're saved this morning. Because verse 32 says, we're all worthy of death. Verse number uh, 29, watch what the Bible says, being filled with all unrighteousness. It doesn't say some unrighteousness and a little bit of, of restraint. It doesn't say a little bit of unrighteousness and a lot of holding back from sinning. No, it says all unrighteousness that's the reflection of man the bible defines unrighteousness as sin it says all unrighteousness is sin in first john it also says whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law have you transgressed the law i have we've sinned we've all sinned we all play a part in this now look at the next one in this list that god gives fornication Now, these modern versions, the NIV, the ESV, the NASB, they take out the word fornication. And that's one of the common ploys of modern Bible correctors is they want to lessen or take away the power of the words of God. I'm telling you, we have we live in a world that has been obsessed with fornication. You can turn on the pop radio. You can turn on the the, the TV. You can go to the movie house. 
You can go to any of these places or listen to any of these things, watch any of these things, and it's all laden with fornication. And we wonder why our young people can't get to the altar pure. They've been defiled, their minds and their hearts, from a young age with all of this filth that's pumped into their lives. The Bible says, you know what, you, young people, pay attention. The Bible says, flee fornication. Fornication will immor immorality between unmarried people. And there's a good chance you get involved with fornication that when you do get married, you're going to get involved with adultery, which is now you're married and you're messing, and you're messing around. You can find forgiveness in any of these sins. But we're, there is no escape. You cannot get that out of this world. Fornication will always be in this world. Adultery will always be in this world. You can't get rid of it. A poll was done and 70 percent of Americans say ah, fornication is fine except the Bible says to flee from it and it's wrong the next in the list is wickedness that's any evil practice any evil disposition any inclination to evil is wickedness Bible says the whole world lieth in wickedness it should be no surprise you're not going to get you're not going to get all the wickedness out of the world as much as you try Bible says in Psalms, yea, in heart ye work wickedness. Your inward part is very wickedness. Where do these things come from? Heart. And it spills out. Next is covetousness. Covetousness is the itch for more. I get the same itch on my back. And I scratch it in the same place. And it just always keeps coming back. Ironically, one of my kids has the same itch on the same spot on their back. It's, it's just genetics, I guess. I don't know. Covetousness is just always itching, always itching you. If your workmate worked more hours than you, you're not owed what he was paid by the boss because you didn't work as many hours as your workmate. Be, be okay with what God allowed you to work and what you have earned is what you are due. You're not due anymore. Don't lay claim. It doesn't do you. It's called covetousness. The Bible says in Colossians 3, covetousness, which is idolatry. Well, I never carved out a wooden dolly statue and prayed to that. Yeah, but you're covetous. It don't matter if you carve it in your heart and your mind or out of wood or metal or stone or however you want to, however you want to craft it, quote unquote. If you've got if you've got covetousness in your heart, God says you're an idolater. I know those these are all hard words to, to hear. And I know Romans one is a rough book and I know it's been rough around here for a month or so. Good news is coming. It's just not coming this morning. Well, it's going to come at the end of the message. But in the meantime, the next on the list is maliciousness. That's the heart's desire to want to injure someone else. Either personally, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And you just get pleasure. That's a malicious person. They just get personal gratification to regard someone else with extreme ill will. That's a malicious person. There's a warning in First Peter. Not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. The Bible tells us to put off malice. 
Bible tells us, wherefore, laying aside all malice. In 1 Corinthians 5, it's referred to as leaven of malice. In other words, leaven is it's, it's this, this picture of sin. And you get malice in your heart, it spreads. You get malice in a local congregation, it spreads. That's with a group of good, Bible-believing, King James Holden, doctrinally sound people that live right, dress right, have the right music, have the right doctrine on their end times, but they got some malice in their heart, amen? <laughs> and God says that thing's loving. How about we believe, how about we obey the book that we say we believe and get that malice out of there? No one's going to see your malice. What are you going to bring in and say, look, here. No, it comes out in ways where it's designed to be disguised. Nobody shows up and says, yeah, I'm the malicious person. What do we do? Our heart is good at cloaking, which it, which it says in, in 1 Peter 2. Next on the list is full of envy, hate bruise in your heart. Towards someone that's above you. Hate bruise in your heart. Towards someone that has something. That you cannot have. That's a person that's full of envy. It's a taste of discontent. To someone that is a superior. You just can't. Prosperity. Now we don't preach the prosperity gospel. We, we don't. We don't. Rest the, the scriptures to our own destruction. We don't take promises that were given to the nation of Israel and try to apply them to the church and now try to tell people that God wants them to be healthy, wealthy, and, and, and wise and all this. He's the only wise God. You follow him, you, you, you'll have some wisdom. But point is, I'm not teaching you and you're not putting forth to me that if we just pray to God and have enough faith, we'll be multi-billionaires. <laughs> Okay, we all understand that. But you got to understand, too, that if somebody works very hard, like they're supposed to, because God says, if you don't work, you're worse than an infidel. If somebody works very hard and they get themselves a widget. Be happy that they were able to get the widget. Don't be upset at them or. Or full of envy because they got something that you can't. Even if you worked twice as hard. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. It, if hard work was the key. People say I work hard and I didn't get this. That's life. It's not fair. If hard work was the secret. And all the construction workers would be the multimillionaires buying up all the farmland instead of, you know, Bezos and, and whoever, whoever these, you know, fabulous five are supposed to be. <laughs> God wants you to work hard. It keeps you out of trouble. Okay, <laughs> keeps you from fussing. And it helps you to appreciate things. Don't be full of envy if someone worked hard and was able to get something that you don't have. Be happy. For them. That's the Christian approach. Murder. Well, I never killed anybody. 
You know, murder is to kill someone with premeditated malice is what it is. <laughs> you don't all of a sudden go out wielding a knife. You had some malice brewing in your heart for a while that turned into murder. But God says, whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. How many of us are murderers now? Yeah. There's been a point in your life and in my life where there's been a brother or a sister or a family member or somebody. Well, we won't say hate. That's kind of a strong word. More like we just didn't see eye to eye. We try to cloak stuff because we're so spiritual and God says, you know, quit it. If you've hated your brother, you're a murderer in God's eyes. Romans 1 doesn't give us a very good picture of mankind. And this idea that mankind is inherently good is just a lie. It's a lie from the devil. Uh, and then next on the list is debate. If I ever got a call from one of these guys that's running a big Christian YouTube channel or a big Christian podcast channel, and they say, yeah, Pastor uh, Fortunato, we'd like you to come on the air and debate uh, preacher so-and-so about this issue. I'm going to say to them, well, they're a Christian. Yeah. Then I'm not going to come and debate them. Why would I debate another Christian? If God has given me the opportunity to teach and preach his word, I am going to take that opportunity to teach and preach his word. And yes, when we come across doctrine, we're going to try to address it and get it right. But I'm not signing up for an hour to debate another Christian on Calvinism or no Calvinism, pre-tribulation or no pre-tribulation, preserve word of God or no preserve word of God, salvation. Now that I'll take some time to get with somebody on. Because if you're not saved by grace, you're not saved. And I say that to point out, if I spend an hour debating another Christian on a topic where they're not going to change their mind and I'm not going to change my mind. Why don't we just agree that we don't. Why don't we just agree that we're either three and a half years apart on end times or seven and a half years apart on end times and take that hour to go knock some doors in the neighborhood and see if we can get somebody to trust Jesus Christ. Other than that, I'm not debating you on the air in front of the lost world to see. So that they can get further proof to say, you know what, Christians just can't get along. Look, there's a time and a place to address questions. If you have a question, I'll try to answer it. You're with a lost person and they want, look, we need to contend for the faith. But this idea of Christians debating other Christians, I don't know where they got it. They didn't get it from the Bible. There's a time and a place to contend. And there's a time and a place to be able to go through and argue out doctrine I just don't think it's fruitful for Christians to get together in front of the entire world that's lost and going to hell to watch them fight. What does that accomplish? These guys make a living about debating people. All they do is debate other Christians. Go debate a Muslim. I can get behind that. Go argue with the Jehovah's Witness for an hour. I can get behind that. Deceit is next. That's the misrepresentation of what is true and a way of 
Deceit is just a way of concealing the truth. Now, you young people, you listen up because you're masters at this. Because you say to your parents, I'll be generous. You say to your parents at least, at least once a month. I didn't do it. Brother did. I didn't do it. Sister did. And you know all well, full and good that you did it. You're just trying to deceive and get mom on your side. You're just trying to get dad on your side. Now, I'll go first because I was the master at doing this. I was the oldest of six. And guess what? It's in our hearts. And you young people need to know. You're just full of deceit. And God hates that. God hates when you lie to your parents. We'll get to that in a minute. But deception, oh, it's an awful thing. The thoughts of the righteous are right, but the counsels of the wicked are deceit. You young people, you need to be careful about getting with friends that are deceitful. Which means you need to be one. You don't want to end up as one of those friends. Make sure you don't have deceit in your heart. Yeah. What's next on the list? It's a, it's a, it's a word you don't hear a lot, malignity. Anybody know what a malady is? Sure do. You get a physical infirmity. You get something in your physical body uh, that's just a lingering disorder, and they call it a malady. We got some hearts that have moral maladies. <laughs> we got some lingering moral disorders. Uh, malignity is... Just your moral principles are corrupt. Malignity is when you try to defame or you try to villainize somebody. That's malignity. Where does that come from? It comes from the heart. Then you've got whisperers. Whisperers are secret tattlers. That's what a whisperer is. The Bible says in Proverbs 16, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. Psalm 41 says, all that hate me whisper together against me. Against me do they devise my hurt. The person isn't around. Nobody can hear. Except that person that the whisperer called on the cell phone. Nobody's around. The person that's the subject of the whisperer isn't involved in the secret text message line, isn't involved in the email thread. That's a whisperer. The behind the back of somebody they want to talk about. That's verse number 29. Let's look at verse number 30. First in the list in Romans chapter 1 verse 30 is backbiters. Backbiters, like a whisperer, they'll use their tongue to speak ill of someone that is not present as well. The difference is the whisperer will do it in secret. They'll get with you like we talked about. The backbiter, they'll just do it publicly. Person isn't around, they'll just get a bunch of old bunch of people. That's a backbiter. Backbiters proclaim and are frank about publicly, they're frank about backbiting about somebody. God don't like that stuff. You got a problem with somebody, go to that person. Right. People would come to me and say, Especially when running business, they come and say, well, this person did this. And after I had gotten wise and got some better uh, understanding about these types of situations, I started to change my response to 
Well, what did the person say to you when you brought this to their attention? If a brother here does a brother here wrong, don't come tell me. Go to that brother. If a sister here has caused you harm or you view that a sister has caused you harm, sister, don't come to me. Go to that sister. Right. Don't create a whole text message thread with somebody else and whisper about them or don't get a whole bunch of fellas after church. and Brother so-and-so. And say, hey, brother, so-and-so, I didn't like the fact that you said this. What did you mean by it? And you know what happens most of the time? It's just a miscommunication yeah. that got blown up. Yeah. Most of the fights between husbands and wives, most of the fights between children and their parents is a miscommunication. Because either one or both parties are not listening. We see the same thing in business. Most of the time, it's just a miscommunication. I had it right here in the last sentence that described what this widget would do. Oh, I didn't read that. Just go to the person. Oh, boy. The next one in verse most severe charge against mankind it's the highest of crimes against god and this world by nature they just hate god yet they're very 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 good at justifying they hate god so much that they try to justify their humanity by trying to save and just go on down and fill the blank These liberals out in California, they're so convinced that they're going to save humanity and save the planet that that's why they won't burn, have controlled burns on forests. We need to save this planet. We need to save this tree. Yet the most radical laws come out of states like that because they just hate God and they will do anything they can do to justify who they are and why they're doing what they are. Bottom line is when you talk to somebody, they will never tell you they hate God. Well, a pagan will. Most people won't. They'll just live their life covertly and in other ways saying that they hate God. They'll just completely avoid him, get him completely out of their life. Despiteful is next on the list. Backbiters, haters of God, despiteful. When we said a whisper, they'll slander someone who is not present. They'll do it in secret. A backbiter will slander someone who is not present. They'll just do it in public. A despiteful person, they don't care that you're present. <laughs> they just abuse you right in front of everybody. <laughs> despiteful people, they're rough. They're rough. They're worse than the backbiter and the whisperer. They just don't care. They'll, they'll tell you straight to your face. Uh, someone that's proud, that's the root cause of all sin. Some say that. Uh, when you hear the word self-esteem, should the first part of the word tell you something? Taught martial arts for 16 years. We did that. And that was a great uh, opportunity to learn to work with people, especially to learn to work with parents of kids who, when they don't behave, they expect a martial art teacher to get them to behave. 
So I'd have to tell them, I can't get your kid to behave. All I can do is try to reinforce what you're already teaching at home. And same thing with preaching. I can't make anybody do anything. I'm trying to help reinforce what you've already been reading, what you've already been praying about, what you're already on the road in the path toward is to try to, get, to become a better Christian. But they say, uh, they would call and say, well, do you teach self-esteem? I said, no, we're the only school in the entire area that doesn't teach self-esteem. Well, what? You don't teach self-esteem? I said, no, it's the worst thing you can teach a child. I said, we teach children how to esteem others better than themselves so that they can grow up to live humble lives and not grow up to be spoiled brats. Would you like to come in and take a free sample lesson? <laughs> And the next part of the, after they had their sample lesson, the next would be the talk in the office. And it would be when it would go south, well, my kid doesn't behave. He talks back to me and, and you know, this and that. So what'd your husband say about this? He says, he don't know what to do either. So he said, just sign him up for martial arts. I said, okay, well, here's your first lesson. You and your husband are going to go to Lowe's. You're going to take little Johnny with you. You're going to go to the lumber section. You're going to go and find where they sell those little wooden dowel rods. You're going to get a quarter inch one. And when little Johnny talks back, you're going to let him, you're going to bring that rod out and you're going to put it on the table and you're going to say, little Johnny, if you talk back again, because I love you, I'm going to give you a swat on your bottissimo. <laughs> That's Italian for your backside. <laughs> well, I can't do that. Sure you can. I'll, I'll, I'll go with you. <laughs> it's not me. It's not mean. It's people are prideful. And if you love your child, you're going to chasten your child. Try to drive that out with the rod, that self-esteem, that pride that so, so rises up. It's because you love, not because you hate. Hate abuses. Hate takes no care. Hate takes no time. Hate brushes off. Hate gives the responsibility to somebody else. But love says, I'm going to take this matter and I'm going to do what God has told me to do. You a child of God? Does he chasten you? Same principle there. I'm telling you, people are so proud. They love the beauty. They love the money. They love their accomplishments. They love their selfies. I had to run into Kroger's, which I can't believe how packed Kroger's is. But, um, I ran into Kroger's. I only had to get two things. Oh, all these aisles are open. People are in line buying all this stuff. And you're, so you're trying to get through. I get through where I think I, I think there's a hole like right here. And all I got to do is just get right through there and then make a left. And there's the self checkout. And it's a lot less of a wait. Only one person in front of me. So you know how we are, fellas. We're just, we always get out of this place. So there's the hole to go through. <laughs> and there's some teenagers standing there, you know, making her, her poses, trying to get her selfie. I said, ma'am, can I, can I get through? Totally messed up her selfie. But I got through. People just love themselves. They love their beauty. They just, man, I look, I got to take a picture. I got to put it out for the whole world to see. That's this world. Don't be proudful, prideful. Get the pride out of your heart. No one likes a proud person. What's next? Posters. People can't wait to brag on themselves. 
backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters. Thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Don't boast. You want to brag on somebody? Brag on God. Amen. You young people, don't brag on yourself. Brag on your parents. Someone says, man, you really did good at that. You know, I have parents that love me and put time into me. You get praise, pass the praise. Pass the praise. Brag on somebody else, not yourself. Brag on God. Brag on God. Inventor of evil things, evolution, abortion, Planned Parenthood, uh, uh, whatever went on in Wuhan with the gain-of-function research. All of these things are just inventor. People just want to invent evil things. And that's where our mind goes. It's the humanistic storylines that you see through all the movies and all the all the children's books. It's the public education system that wants to indoctrinate children not to think, wants to indoctrinate children to not be able to evaluate and make their own decisions. They just want to indoctrinate them with evolution and teach them that whatever you do, whatever you do, don't believe that God created you. Whatever you do, just don't read that Bible. After all, there's errors in it. Well, you print your books every two years because you found... <laughs> It's inventors of evil things. Inventors of evil things without natural uh, disobedient to parents. Nothing brings more of a curse to families and society than children who are dis. It's enough. When your mom asks you to go and make your bed, you know what you do? You get off your tail and you go make your bed. And you quit it with the stomp on the feet. And the rolling the eyes Amen. and the mumble, mumble, grumble, grumble. You get off your butt and go open and you make your bed is what you do. Because mom and dad said, hey, do this, please. And because mom and dad gave you a bed to sleep in so you don't have to sleep on a dirt floor. And they don't tell you to go sleep out with the cattle. They don't tell you to go sleep out with the hogs. They give you a warm bed to sleep in. Well, I don't feel like making it. Too bad. This society that is disobedient to parents is a disgrace to a holy God. Amen. You don't like mama's cooking? Then go make your own food. Amen. You labor in the kitchen and cook it. You go out and work eight hours a day and exchange time for money and then come home and have your little boy say, you go do it, dad. How about no? How about love your parents enough to just respect them enough to do the simple things that they ask you to do without, I'm smiling when I say it, without mouthing off. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Am I being too too hard on you? I didn't hear any amens from the little one, so I guess not. I guess not. All right. We'll, we'll go ahead and move on. But I'll tell you, there'll be nothing more than a blessing. There'll be nothing more of a blessing to a family to a church, to a society with children that are obedient to their parents. Yes. There's nothing that brings 
a greater joy to a mom, mama's heart than when she's out shopping or she's out in society and someone says, man, those children are so well behaved. Doesn't that bring a joy to your heart? I mean, that, there's nothing more of a blessing. Without understanding, they're incapable of understanding spiritual things. Kelly spoke about that a little bit this morning when he was preaching on the Sunday school hour. Next is covenant breakers. They're incapable. A covenant breaker is somebody that's incapable of keeping an agreement, keeping an oath. It's one of the reasons why a divorce is so rampant. People don't want to keep the covenants. They don't want to keep the oath that they made. They always think, well, this would be better if I do this. It would be all right. No. Keep your agreement. Keep your covenant. Well, my spouse is this. My spouse is that. Well, how about you? Why don't you stop trying to fix your spouse and fix you? People don't want to fix themselves. This idea that we're going to have Christian counseling and someone's going to sit down for eight weeks, an hour every week, and they're going to tell the preacher all their problems. Well, I can probably help you fix it in about 10 minutes. What's the problem? Well, here's what the Bible says. Oh, it's just they don't want to do what the Bible says. They just want to argue that their wife or their husband or whoever it is, is just too unreasonable. I'm not going to spend eight hours a month with that. Here's what the Bible says. Now we'll try to help. We'll try to disciple. If there's a problem, there's enough good, solid Christian men and women here that can help disciple and, and help people through their problems. Not saying we shouldn't help people with problems. What I'm saying is. If somebody doesn't want to change. They ain't going to change. Amen. If you have. You got a marriage covenant. It's between you and your spouse. You get one spouse that gets in their heart something. You ain't going to get it out. They're going to have to go before God and get it out. You can put a couple in front of the worst marriage counselor that you can find. The worst one. They don't even have to be Christian. They can be secular. And then out of the secular ones, just give them the worst one. <laughs> and if that couple goes into that wanting to work it out, you know what's going to happen? They're going to work it out. <laughs> but you get a couple that don't want to work it out, or you get one of those couples that just cannot stand the other and just has no intention of working out, you find a Christian counselor. And then out of those Christian counselors, you find the best one that you can find. You know what's going to happen? They ain't going to work it out. Because at the end of the day, you know what matters? Where is your heart before God? People don't believe in handshake anymore. People don't believe in an oath anymore. You do a, a marriage ceremony and you say to love and to submit to a woman. And she refuses to say it. Buddy, you're in for a treat. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You are in for a treat. You know, gripe and complain and their husbands aren't alcoholics and their husbands don't smack them around. And their husbands don't go to the bar every day after work. And their husbands work hard and try to take little Billy to baseball and try to be the best husband they can. 
and they just whine and complain because there's not enough money for them to go shopping at the mall and spend thousands of dollars each week. It's a bunch of fooey. This world loves themselves. They don't believe in oaths and covenants. They just want what they want. And the same goes the other way. These wives that labor all day with the kids, I'm telling you, these wives that homeschool their kids, bless their heart. We, we're, we're from a strike that we don't just home them, we school them. <laughs> That's rough. That's rough. Cooks and cleans and sweeps and mows and t tends to the livestock and mends the fence and does all this thing. And then and the husband comes home and with all these demands. It's a bunch of food. They don't believe in they don't believe in covenants and oaths. They just want what they want. God said that stuff's a mess. You make a covenant, you make an oath, you keep it. This world doesn't want to be accountable to God, and therefore, they don't want to be accountable to who they're anybody on earth. Look at this next one without natural affection. We can go down so many rabbit holes on this, but our audience is young and mature. So I'm going to say this without natural affection. How do young people nowadays not love their mom? It's a natural thing. Animals in the wild love mom. In the spring, we're going to have lambs, and they can't wait to get with mama. Every animal in the wild loves mom. We have a society filled of young people. They have no natural affection to their parents. Their hearts and minds have just been stolen by a scroll of visuals. <clears throat> Anime and, and all of this stuff that just steals their hearts and minds. Or someone else that isn't their parents gets them off on the wrong course. Yes. And then the next thing you know, uh, mom and dad are just... And they lose that natural affection that God placed. Young people, you don't ever stop loving your mama. Well, dad, he can be a mean guy sometimes. But mama, natural affection, that's a Christian and biblical thing. This world's void of it. Then it says in placable, that's somebody that can't be pacified. In a fight, they can't find peace. You ever get with somebody, whether it's in the business world, the work world, church world, uh, and they're just intent on. It's not the argument. It's just that their intent is they never want to get the reconciliation. <laughs> what? what is that? How do you argue with somebody that never wants to get to the rest, the reconciliation? You know, you sing a hymn and it's verse one and two and three. Next thing you know, you're on 15 verses. It never closes. It, you know, in music, there's a rest. And, and, and it brings it to a close, and there's rest. And then you move on to the next one. You know, relationships should be like that. The idea should be to get to a reconciliation. Don't be implacable, where nothing pacifies you. Don't be implacable, where you're always rock walking around, and your temperament is always... I'm not reconciling. I'm arguing. Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. Unmerciful is next on the list. Unmerciful. 
I close out verse number 31. That's somebody that's void of compassion. The enemy is brought in and you've got no mercy on them. Lock them up, beat them all day. Don't give them any food or water. No mercy. There may be time for that in war, but look, parents, I know you kids worry out, but look, they might need a spanking, they might need a punishment, they might need to not have dessert, they might need to only have bread and water for lunch until dinner, but look, have some mercy, it's not go to your room, and, you know, let them just rot, you to have some mercy. They need some love. They need some mercy from you. And I'm telling you, this world, they got no mercy. You make one mistake and it's like, come on. Brother Kelly had a great message this morning. He was just talking about the Holy Spirit. He was thinking about some things. You know, we've gone some things over the last year and you have never and will never see me standing at the door. We're going through 1 Corinthians on Thursday night. Uh, if you haven't been able to make it on Thursdays, at least listen online. But they're good doctrinally sound messages that I'd like everybody to get a hold of. But you won't ever see me at the door measuring hair length. You won't ever see me at the door stopping the women and saying, do you have a head covering or do you not have a head covering? All right, you're in, you sit over there. You're in, but you sit over there. You're out because you don't even care. You will never see me and you won't ever see me standing at the front door saying, let me check your Bible. King James? <laughs> I believe this to be the word of God. I'm not changing any word of it. I'm not changing a bit of it. I'm not standing at the door checking your Bible. You will never see me standing at the door uh, Brother Tom by my side. Uh, all right, Tom, let's have him turn to Matthew 24. You believe end times like we do? All right, you're out. You do? Okay, you sit over there. What is that? What is that? People always looking to argue. They don't want to have any mercy on anybody. The preacher is expected to get along with everybody that he disagrees with. The people should come and be able to expect to get along with the preacher who they disagree with. Why doesn't it work like that? Why is the preacher the only one that's required to show some mercy? I don't care if you wear a head covering or not wear a head covering. I just care that you're here. I, I don't care that you have an NIV. I'm not going to try to change you and twist your arm. and But don't expect to change me and twist my arm. I don't care that you think that Christians are going through three and a half years of the tribulation or seven years of the tribulation or if you're mid-Acts or what. I, I don't. I'm called to preach the Bible and I disagree with you and you disagree with me. But there's like three things you disagree with me on. Why mess up the cause of Christ for that? Amen. I've Amen. said from the beginning, there are plenty, there is plenty of, 
We got through Christmas. I mean, honestly, what type of nut doesn't celebrate Christmas? And as a Christian, do you know that there are bigger things? <laughs> there are bigger fishes to fry than, well, I just don't see that the way the preacher sees it. Well, good, because he doesn't see things the way you see them either. And he doesn't go in your house and try to change the way you're doing things. And he doesn't require you and le legislate your life because that would not be Christian. And I've seen and have been in and have experienced and have heard stories where the preacher's the man of God and there's no mercy. You will sit up, you will button up every button, you will wear a tie, you will dress this way, you will cut your hair this way, you will do what I say. You can't buy a vehicle unless you run it by the pastor. What is that? What do you think? I'm going to collect financial statements from you to make sure you're giving as much as I think you should be giving. Where do preachers come up with this? I'll tell you where they come up with it. From unmerciful hearts. What do you think? I'm going to follow you around town for two weeks to see if you're good enough to join our church. You saved? Well, let's see your testimony. Let's go ahead and get after it. Where do you, where where do we come up with all of these things? Unmerciful hearts. And we're not going to get rid of you, unmerciful hearts. So we're going to finish out with the 32nd verse in Romans chapter number one. Everybody okay? Kids, you okay? You still awake? Okay. Just we're just going through the Bible. It's a fun book, isn't it? It's a fun book. Romans chapter 1, last verse. Next week, Lord will, will be in the second chapter. Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. After all, the, all the, the, this whole list of crimes that we went through, and now this trail of crimes wraps up with everybody's worthy of death. Men knew the judgment of God. Yet they went after the crimes. They had pleasure in it and they had pleasure in others doing. It. And man shakes his fist at God. The knowledge of God is available, yet, yet, yet men thumb their nose and shake their fist at God and say, I'm just going to go on and have pleasure in my sin and have pleasure in those that sin. Which brings us to the only solution. It's the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. Um, so here, we'll close with these thoughts. Number one. You must know that the knowledge of God is available to all sinners. All did not like to retain God in their knowledge. All are filled with what it said in the 29th verse, all unrighteousness. So if all are sinners, if all are filled with unrighteousness, if all had the knowledge of God, who is he talking about that could be saved? All. That doesn't mean everybody will be saved. But whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. So this Calvinistic idea or philosophy 
well, that God has already chosen who will and already chosen who will not. I don't buy it. Whosoever will. We preach the gospel to everybody. We don't save them. And we don't know who God's going to save. But if all are unrighteous, all can be saved if they trust and come to God on God's terms. Number two, all sinners are haters of God. On purpose, by nature, they push away from God. What about the light of Christ? You are the light of the world. Okay, we are. We are. But men still refuse that light. And God's wrath upon sinful man on this earth is sin. So he's going to punish it with more sin. There's no escaping it. You will not get rid of any of the sin in this world. That whole catalog of sins. Try to get rid of one of them in the world this week. You won't be able to. You can't calm the storm of God's wrath. Because there's no escape of it from here. And Paul is not trying to fix the world. He's not trying to save the planet. Go over to Numbers chapter 21. I'll show you why there's no escape. And we'll close with this. Numbers chapter number 21. Numbers 21. Look at verse number four. Numbers 21 verse number four. Numbers 21. Get your place there. Look at verse number four. And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way and the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. This is rebellious Israel in the wilderness. Verse six. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. They are so rebellious that God sent fiery serpents to bite them, those people, and they died. That's where we're at. Verse number seven. Therefore, the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. You know what they decide to do? They're in rebellion against God. God's, they're so rebellious. God sends these serpents. They're biting people. They're dying. So they all got together and they said, you know what? Let's pray to God and ask God to take away these serpents. Let's see what God's answer is in verse number eight. And the Lord said unto Moses, make thee a fiery serpent. The Lord didn't take away the serpents. He said, make thee a fiery serpent. He made another one and set it upon a pole and it shall come to pass. That everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. God answers, no, I'm not taking away the fiery serpents. As a matter of fact, I'm going to give you another one. You will not escape the serpents, he said. But when you get bit, all you got to do is look up and live. And if you think any of those lists of sins given in Romans 1, God's going to take away, he ain't going to take a one of them away. It's his wrath against mankind on this world. But you know what we need to do? We're caught in this sin pool, this, this cesspool of sin in this world. You know what we have to do? We've got to look up and believe and live. And that's the only way. Because the serpents aren't leaving. God told them to look and to live. Look at verse number nine. 
And we'll see it. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, God didn't take the serpents away. There's no escaping the serpents. And there's no escaping sin. It's not going away. When he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Human wisdom hates the fact that that just doesn't scientifically make sense. <laughs> Human wisdom says, I gotta get these serpents out of here. I gotta call an exterminator and get rid of them. It just doesn't make sense. God would send another one, say to hold it up, and I'm supposed to get bit and then live. Get bit and you look and you live. Have you been bitten by sin? Don't call the exterminator and try to do something to get rid of it. Look and live, and God will save your soul in the midst of the fiery serpents. Hey. One thing I want you to leave with this morning is your opinion doesn't matter. You will never be able to reform yourself. You will hey. never be able to exterminate all the serpents and all the sin around this world. There's no escape. You must be rescued. By Christ. Behold the Lamb of God. Which taketh away. The sin of the world. If you haven't already. If you haven't already. Look. And live. Thank you for listening to. The podcast ministry. Of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you. In the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.